You're listening to Messy Jesus Business, a podcast about radical gospel living. Hi, everyone. I'm Sister Julia Walsh, a writer, spiritual director, and jail minister living in Chicago. Welcome to The Mess. At Messy Jesus Business, we explore how the mess of radical gospel living brings disciples into a life of struggle as we advocate for social justice, live simply, serve others, practice contemplation, and live in community. And now, on to our guest. Ellen Salmi Van Cleef and Joshua Van Cleef serve as missionaries in Eastern Kentucky. In 2016, they were installed together by the Bishop John Stowe OFM to lead a small Appalachian parish in the absence of an ordained pastor. Ellen recently started serving as Associate Director of Evangelization for the Maris Brothers, and Joshua leads the parish as Parish Life Director. He also serves the diocese as the director of the Peace and Justice Office. This May, Ellen and Joshua became parents to their first child, Joy. They live in a log cabin on 50 acres in the mountains and share the property with lots of chickens, cats, and other creatures. In this episode of Messy Jesus Business, I talk with Ellen and Joshua about how they became missionaries serving in eastern Kentucky what mission means, and what being a missionary today is all about. We discuss how Catholic imagination challenges the ability for lay people to lead, serve, and animate the gospel in the ways that they are called. And we reflect upon how serving in a rural environment invites people to contemplation, how observing beauty directs us toward God. Enjoy! Hello, Josh and Ellen. Welcome to Messy Jesus Business. Hello. Hello, Sister Julia. Thank you for having us. Yeah, you're joining from uh, Eastern Kentucky, where you are parish ministers. Tell me about your journeys and how it became apparent to you that you were meant to partner in ministry and in life. So I grew up in Detroit, and I always, you know... uh, had some sense of the Catholic faith in my life through schooling and through church. And, uh, you know, I was really blessed to have uh, a Catholic education through high school. But I remember in high school, I had a few instances that really made me consider, uh, you know, what, you know, this kind of adventure with God and, and, and some, some of those terms. And I, you know, I remember seeing the, the movie, The Mission with Robert De Niro and Liam Neeson, Jeremy Irons, and thinking, wow, you know, you could be on an adventure and, you know, climb mountains and waterfalls mm-hmm. and at the same time be, uh, uh, you know, a religious person and, uh, and sharing the, the gospel. So I think at a young age, I had some sense that, you know, missionary life was kind of embedded in me or as an option or kind of this adventure with God was, was an option somewhere. And then, you know, I went to college and somewhere through college, I started taking it a bit more seriously, this possibility that God might be calling me to missionary life. I had some experience in with Mary Noel 
while I was in college, I went to Cambodia. Towards the end of college, I, I really had uh, some encounter with St. Francis through reading and prayer and things. And I thought, now th this could be something for me. Um, Francis's heart seemed to uh, say something to my heart. So I, so then, and that's where I met you, Sister Julia, as I uh, joined the, the Franciscan formation and spent some years in formation there. After I discerned moving towards a, a, my pursuing my lay vocation, I I went to Catholic Theological Union and and I did I did my MDiv and then I was in ministry for a while and then I came back to study for an MA in systematics and that's where I met Ellen. We were Ellen was just studying there too. So and and I met this person who also had this missionary heart. So that's what kind of that's kind of how we first kind of encountered one another and realized that okay, there's something in here for us of this this missionary life maybe together. I was not dreaming of climbing mountains and waterfalls for God at such a young age like Josh was, <laughs> but thankfully we ended up here together. I'm from New Jersey originally, and I'm also thankful that I had a Catholic education and grew up in a Catholic family that was very involved in our local parish, and faith was really part of my, my family life. And through that, I had kind of a really pivotal encounter with Jesus one day in the seventh grade that pretty much shifted the trajectory of my life since I was 13 years old. We had, uh, in our religion class, we were watching some testimonials about a girl named Rachel who was killed during the Columbine massacre. And people were giving testimonies about how much her faith impacted their life. And that was really pivotal for me because she was in high school and I was 13 years old and realized that like, you could be all in for God, even at a really young age. And so there just seemed no excuse not to now that I knew that that was possible. So that was like a hinge moment for me in my life that kind of shot me on wanting to be of service to other people, to be explicit in my faith and the way that I wanted to live my life and to just kind of discover what that meant along the way. So I went to a high school that was run by the Marist Brothers. That's the first place where I encountered the Marist Brothers. Now I'm on their evangelization team for the province that just started last week. So that's super exciting move for me. But that Marist spirituality is really rooted in making Jesus known and loved. And so that was something that I experienced through them and then really wanted to do with my life explicitly. When I graduated from college, I spent two years as a volunteer with the Marist Missionary Sisters in Senegal in West Africa. And that was really my first explicitly missionary experience. And I feel really blessed that the way that I learned what being a missionary was, was really rooted in presence in being present to people and in being present to God and God's voice in your life. So that was something that was really transformative for me. And then like Josh said, that's what led me to go to Catholic Theological Union where we, where we met. And so we started dating and we're looking towards the future together and marriage together and kind of talking about what our next steps would be. And a few things that really stood out to us were that we wanted to be close to nature, someplace where we could live close to the earth. Um, we were hearing Pope Francis's call at that time to be close to communities on the margins. And for some time in me, I had kind of a confidence that I knew I wanted to be embedded in the community where I would be called to serve. So we wanted to be able to really embed ourselves in wherever we would be next for our ministry activity, and that we wanted to live in a rhythm of prayer together, that that would found our life. So with those three things kind of pushing us, the ministry opportunity here in Eastern Kentucky opened, and we uh, 
heard God calling us in that direction and we wanted to say yes. So our stories have kind of taken us in different places, but we feel really blessed to be here now. So we've been here since 2016. And you are now in starting the adventure of parenthood. <laughs> Congratulations yes. on your new baby, Joy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. exciting. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of things I'd like to explore. It would be valuable to first unpack the word mission and missionary, especially in light of the fact that I recently had someone say to me that they are very uncomfortable with those words because they associate them with colonialism. And mm -hmm. so how do you understand what it means to have a missionary heart to and to be on a mission and to be a missionary? For me, I think I would start with Luke chapter four, where Jesus takes the scroll of Isaiah, opens it up and says, the Holy Spirit is upon me to preach good news to the poor, give sight to the blind, call you a favor, liberate the captives. To me, that is the foundation for mission. Jesus said, this is what my mission is. So then for me as a missionary, it means that I'm part of that, what Jesus is doing in there, that I want to be part of preaching the good news to those who are on the margins. I want to be part of liberation. I want to be part of uh, sight and eyes to see what's happening. So, so then as a missionary, that means, I think, being able to go and to do that and to follow where God is. And, and then when you're in a place to be embedded enough to, to listen to where God is doing that and already and kind of building it up and kind of trying to really strengthen that, support that and, and, and do the work kind of founded in the fact that God's already there doing it and you want to be part of that. Um, so yeah, so that's, so when we say missionary, I think part of it is that, is that we want to go and to be doing that work that God, with God, you know. So, so it's a partnership, a collaboration with, with the movement of the spirit that's already occurring in this places where you go, where you end up and are serving. I think that's, that's part of it. I, I mean, I think there's both this idea that we have to proclaim the good news and then also you denounce injustice. So okay. that, those things kind of work together where you're uh, announcing the good news and then also denouncing those things that are contrary to the kingdom. Mm, um, yeah. But what would you say to people that are like, well, you need to just not try to change us. I think I would say I'm changing all the time. I'm growing all the time. The movement of God in my life is evolving and something beautiful and wonderful. And so many people on my path have helped me get to where I am today and will show me where that story continues in the future. So if people are open to it, I'd love to be part of that story for them. That doesn't mean that, um, you know, every single person that you meet in a new context that you're called to walk with, um, but it's not something that you're forcing on other people, but more just being available to be present to the work that God is doing in people's lives and to be available to walk with them and to be in communion with one another as we are on this kind of great adventure that God has given us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I also don't, don't think that you can really separate uh, missionary activity from any place where the there's churching happening. Any place where people are reflecting on the gospel, you know, I think to kind of decouple it from this idea of we're going to go to other nations and kind of make them like us, that might be a different sense of how people may have viewed mission. But in regard to like any time that the church is being church, there's mission, mm. you know. Uh, so the question is, are you willing to go outside of your own comfort zone to do that? outside of your own culture to do that outside of and move to the margins maybe to do that. And that's what makes someone a missionary, that impulse. But the mission activity of the church is happening in every parish 
every community across the world. I mean, um, you don't have to leave home to follow God's missionary call. No, it just it, it's the it's that call to to encounter God through encountering the other. It's that movement outward that it kind of is compelled by by God to say go go to the other or go uh, go out and encounter the leper or go out and, and encounter me and someone outside of your own group. I think that's the basic missionary impulse. So I think sometimes when people think of missionaries, they think primarily of uh, someone's trying to convert somebody or proselytize or, or something along those lines. But I think there's a much more basic understanding. Um, the way that it was put at Catholic Theological Union that we still use is it's is that it's not so much that the church has a mission, but the mission of God has a church. Mm. So in that way, we're missionaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for the reframing of it. I think that's really valuable. And I appreciate, Ellen, when you use the, I think actually you both use the word presence. And it brings to mind for me how that's what Christ models for us in the gospels, isn't it? And how he's, he is there, he is with the people and he's creating an inclusive community, but his presence, which we, which is still true in the, in the world today, 2000 years later, especially through the Eucharist is profound and powerful because it is love. And if what we're imitating is, is a presence of love, it's a Eucharistic presence that we're offering folks, then transformation is happening on all sides. It's like, uh, still living with your Franciscan heart, Josh, (laughs) you know, the continual call to conversion, right? Like that's what it's, we're all changing and transforming and growing closer to Christ together, but it takes community for that to happen. How do you minister and, and serve the folks that you're in, in your daily life? I know you're living on a farm, uh, and, and I know you're involved in a parish, but like, what are, what are the rhythms of your days and how, how do you, uh, live this missionary heart, this missionary vocation in Appalachia? It kind of starts with the, the primary task we kind of came here for was to serve at the parish. So, uh, our Bishop, Bishop John Stowe installed us, uh, to lead the parish and, you know, the, you know, according to canon law, there the bishop can install uh, lay people uh, and sisters and brothers to lead parishes in certain circumstances. You know, so where there is not an ordained priest pastor, so that's so that's our circumstance. So, so then I think it it follows that the normal ways that a parish is animated. So we have preaching, teaching, you know, faith formation in the parish. We have uh, accompaniment with people, and this is you know. This happens inside the parish, but then outside the parish. So we have a parish that has probably 25 people, and that covers about 500 square miles. So very few Catholics, probably 25 Catholics and 500 square miles. Now, our ministry to accompany people, walk with people, pray with people, be with people, share the love and mercy of God with people, that far extends you know, the people who come to, to church with us. So, so then we have pastoral visits with folks. Um, we a lot of a lot of times people come to the door uh, in needing for certain emergency assistance or prayers or something. So, so we accompany all types of folks, not just the Catholics in our county. 
that's a, an important way um, that we do that. And and then we also have some ad- administrative duties at the parish, which anyone who works for a parish knows that that uh, is a litany of things that kind of never ends. But so we do the normal kind of parish ministry things. And then we try to be embedded into the community in such a way that we can share the love and mercy of God with folks and just be here. I'm imagining as you say all this, that what you're doing is like meeting with small groups, you're leading prayer, you're also visiting people wherever they are, the homebound, the sick, and so on. Yeah. I mean, the thing is when you have so few Catholics, most of the, most of church happens outside of church. So you're Mm. in people's homes that aren't Catholic and you're praying with them. You're opening up the word with them. You're kind of doing church at a number of different levels, even just visiting and being a, a loving presence, a listening presence, praying with people. We also have very, we do retreats for groups that come in from across the country to this area. We've done mission groups for different uh, people. So I think our our ministry is, is really quite diverse. We have to stay grounded, though, in the local community and visiting with people and being with people. That's what kind of keeps us grounded as missionaries. And then we have a lot of stuff we do at the parish that tries to have a healthy uh, and animated parish. Ellen, how do you define evangelization? A key part of evangelization for me would be obviously thinking about the good news, right? And living the good news, being a presence of the good news, teaching the good news, witnessing the good news, all these action verbs around the good news, as well as experiencing the good news, being part of the good news. When I think of evangelization, I can think of the numbers of ways and times that I myself have been prompted to encounter Christ through different programs, through different relationships, through different prayer experiences, through different writings. There's so many things that have evangelized me that I am so thankful for throughout my life. So I hope that by being a part of an evangelization team, I can be part of some of those formative experiences for others. And so when we are thinking about evangelization, some of that formation into the life of God, I think, is a way that I've experienced it and a way that in community, we kind of do with one another and for others and and um, experience ourselves. Hmm. What are some of the challenges that you as lay people struggle with as missionaries in the Catholic Church? There are their fair share of challenges. The way I would put it is the Catholic imagination has been kind of scripted a particular way. And it's that a parish is led by a priest. And the priest does the holy things, the church things, and then lay people do the administrative things. Mm. Um, Priest would not write the bulletin, but the priest is at the altar. Right. That praying, preaching, teaching is largely reserved for someone who's ordained. That's that's a challenge that that's oftentimes in people's uh, imagination about the church. And so that so the idea of lay ministers, uh, especially leading parishes, are, it can be a stretch for people. So I think that's a challenge. Um, and that's not true uh, for everyone. But I think that that has been my experience. And uh, another thing is that lay ministry is often seen as a last resort. Like we can't get enough priests to do something. So then let's have some lay ministers or we can't get enough religious to do something. Let's let's bring in some lay people. So I don't know if, so that's a challenge because mm-hmm. here in the Second Vatican Council at Gentes 21, that the church is only fully alive 
truly founded, something like this, truly alive, fully founded, and a perfect sign of Christ when the laity work alongside the hierarchy. So I think we have this dynamic vision of the church where you have collaboration and, and the mission of the church is for everyone. By our baptism, we're called a universal call to holiness, universal call to mission. That creativity and dynamism sometimes is spoken about, but hard to, to actually get lived out when it looks like lay people are brought in when uh, there's no one else. So I think that's that's a challenge to to try to to live in uh, to that. And then, yeah, I think we're constantly finding ways to to bring to be a family. And then to to minister and to and to hold proper balance between those different things. I also think that um, as lay people leading a parish, that has certain challenges. I think that's been lived into differently. Josh as a man, me as a woman, um, and different expectations that people might be holding, not even consciously in their minds. Um, but I also think another element of that is being young people within the church leading the church. Youngish. Um, so I, I think that that's kind of shown us a whole nother dimension of um, being young people in the church, believing in the church, wanting to not just be part of the future of the church, but the presence of the church, the present of the church, um, and to do so with bringing our full selves, our full gifts, willingness to learn, but also a realization that we have something real to contribute. And I think that um, that's often been a challenge uh, with some other age dynamics that we find in the church of kind of accepting that younger voice in leadership. I don't know if you've had a similar experience in religious life, but this is uh, one thing that we've kind of learned to be able to, to interpret and then hopefully to be able to raise up other young leaders in the church and be supportive and empowering people because we're all called to work together. And that's definitely been a different dynamic that I wasn't expecting as well. Mm, mm. You know, what I'm hearing is deep hunger for healthy mutuality in community and in ministry. And, and mm. even though there are structures and institutions and expectations and roles and limitations, we can actually all act really, truly be brothers and sisters in Christ, of Christ to each other, right? And, and there is no better than or greater than in according to one's age or status or education or any situation. Like we truly can live that part of, of the good news out. And, and I, I think I'm hearing a little sadness about the ways you've seen the church be less than the than what it's proclaiming to be sadness and also hope i think you know though you can kind of name some of those difficult experiences and like you said like instances where that lack of mutuality is definitely painful on the other side there's been so many instances of great hope and of great witness of that love that we are able to kind of cling to and to hopefully witness for others as well that's nice. Thank you. I'd love to switch gears a little bit. I am, you know, this connects to witness. I know you're living in rural America in one of the most remote parts of rural America too. Very different from Detroit where you grew up, Josh. <laughs> and I grew up in rural America and I can, I know some things about what that world is. I wonder for those of us who have never visited your part, how the setting influences the way you pray and serve and, and build community. Appalachia, Eastern Kentucky is beautiful. It's really beautiful here. You know, it's 
absolutely beautiful. And anyone who comes and, and takes a, a minute and kind of slows down a little bit, they'll sense that it is absolutely beautiful. And the terrain can be challenging, but the environment is resilient. Beauty is re is resilient. You know, there are lots of challenges that's happened to the, you know, the landscapes here from mountaintop removal to any any types of flooding, flooding and uh you know, it's, it's, can be challenging and, and, you know, the climb can be steep, uh, mm -hmm. but it's beautiful and it, and it builds back up and there's new life. Uh, and I think that parallels the people here too. Mm. You see the environment and if you can see it in its complexity and beauty, you'll realize that no matter what challenges there are, the beauty and new life is absolutely persistent. Mm. That's my experience of our Catholics here and our people here generally yeah but it takes a minute you have to stop and sit a while to see mm. it mm. it sounds like there's a the environment invites you to contemplation and to slowing down in a different way than it would if you were serving in a city definitely nature and the environment is just it's just part of the landscape it's remarkable so yeah i know josh has been kind of camping and life with nature has been kind of integrated into him as a person in his spirituality for much longer than it has been for me and really living here has opened up experiencing god in the natural world in a way that i never could have anticipated especially over this last year that's been kind of a movement in my spiritual life that i'm really thankful for and that i feel like has given me a different depth that I hadn't anticipated or necessarily been out on the watch for, but that that kind of grandeur of God that's accessible in mountains and peaks and valleys, that that's uh, been a remarkable element for me this year. Mm. But also just like, like Josh said about kind of like soaking it in, there's something, there's something really um, special. Mm. You know, and beauty is another name for God, along with truth, but a, a name that we don't uh, hold up enough in our tradition, right? That feels like a lesson that any one of us can take away from this conversation or any listener can take is, is how do we honor beauty and notice beauty and build up beauty in the world? And, and in doing so, are we honoring God? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear each of you. What is your definition of discipleship? Discipleship is not just believing in Jesus, but following Jesus, going where Jesus went, where Jesus goes. So when we talk about the mission of God, Jesus is going to the margins. You know, what you've done to the least, you've done to me, you know, the parable of the lost sheep, like this is where Jesus goes. So discipleship means that saying, okay, I'm going to go too, and, and there's going to be a cost to that maybe, or but there'll be greater, there'll be greater joy, greater love, greater life by going. And I trust that though abundance, though I don't see it necessarily at the onset. And it's that kind of that leap where you say, okay, Jesus, you went there, you're going there. I want to go there too. Uh, I'm going to trust and take a, take a big uh, leap on this one. So for me, maybe that's not how I define it, but that's how I describe it. I would kind of just say yes to what Josh said, and then kind of affirm that discipleship is something that gets lived out in the big choices and in the little choices of our life. So I affirm kind of the big thrusts of our life, right, where we're choosing to follow Jesus. I also affirm that those big thrusts often manifest themselves in really small ways in our family life, in our church life, in the community life. And so living that discipleship and following Jesus 
yeah, it's an every moment, every day kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you have to choose it regularly. And that's, that's what discipleship I hear in both of your responses. It's a conscious choice, isn't it? Like I am going to do this. I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to go where he says. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the reality is, is that God is present right here, right now. Like, so our choice is to say, I want to, I want to be where you are. That's right now. Yeah. It's almost like responding rather than choosing. Right. Cause if we know that God has already chosen us, then we're responding to that love. So mm-hmm. I like to think of it. Um, yes. Like choosing in terms of like having my own agency, but also not thinking of myself as the instigator of it, but responding to that love of God that's already been poured out and that um, we have the beautiful opportunity to continue to encounter and continue to hopefully witness by our lives. Mm-hmm. You've used the word encounter and witness um, a couple of times. Let's break those open as well. What does encounter mean? The simplest way is to meet, right? To meet uh, in a deeper in a deeper sense, especially when we're talking about Jesus um, or talking about other people, frankly. But mm-hmm. kind of that that real meeting face to face, that real being in each other's presence, that real encountering, haha, each other. When we, when I use the word encounter, I think there's that real sense of relationship and of being together, of sharing life. Those are some of the elements that come to mind for encounter with me. Yeah. And encounter, I think, is connected with presence and listening, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's not to encounter someone is to hear deeply Mm. what is being said and, uh, and to, it's, I think the first step of encounter is really like this, this listening and then responding. And then you enter into this dynamic back and forth where you're invited to change. They're invited to change. And it's, yeah, it's this, this two way changing, even if it's in little ways, you know, oh. I think that happens when we meet somebody. You yeah, think, oh, transformation. I, yeah, some transformation happens when we meet someone deeply, even if it's a small meeting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a back to that that openness to change and the convert the continual call to conversion again, (laughs) which is of course my Franciscan framework. Mm. Yeah. And Mm. witness, what does witness mean? Some part of witness to me is uh, this deep priority for integration or commitment to integration. So somehow I have to, uh, I have to have this be cultivating my own relationship, my own spirituality, my own, prayer life and then God's doing something in me God's doing something in me and then I get to say how good God is you know I witness to that or how transforming God's love is but that means that I'm I'm a recipient recipient of that and I know that and I'm cultivating that so to witness God's mercy means to say in and and let and people will see it in you that you were once the lost sheep and God went and got you Mm -hmm. and then you're going to reach out and say God you know God's looking for you too and Mm -hmm. That's witnessing is mm-hmm. that you get to share the goodness of God that comes directly from your own experience of God's absolute and unconditional love. Mm. Yeah. When you ask that question, the first word that came to mind is authenticity. So Josh sharing about kind of you experiencing that and then hopefully living in a way that calls to light your experience of God and invites others into it when someone's witnessing something versus just talking about it, right? You know the difference. There's a different kind of spark that happens. And so I think that um, witnessing 
it draws from also the deeper wells in ourselves, like Josh said about the experience that we've had of God, and then sharing that with others in a way that doesn't just leave it there, like explains it, but more also invites them into the fire. Wow. Yeah. Inviting to the fire. There's a lot to this. And I love and appreciate how you have just reframed the meaning of being a missionary in rural America today for for us. What is messy about all this for you? I'm a new mom, so everything is messy right now in life. Thinking about the messiness of discipleship and of following Jesus to me relates to the fact that our lives are messy and following Jesus discipleship isn't separate from our life. It's not like, here's my life, and then here's the way that I follow God. No, it's like, here's my life, and I try to follow God with my life, or I'm responding to God with my life. And since my life is messy, then that path is going to be messy, and that's all part of the adventure, right? That's that's not something that God is looking down upon. God is holding us and okay with our mess. God wants to be in the mess with us, and even back to what you were saying about being a missionary, that Part of presence or part of accompaniment is being willing to just stand in the mess with each other. So I think that messiness doesn't need to be seen in a negative light when we're talking about discipleship. It's all part of that transformation that we were talking about earlier. I think that how concrete God's love is, Mm -hmm. uh, is really messy. There is something about trying to move from abstraction into witnessing an encounter. You know, how do you encounter somebody who with God's love and witness God's love and mercy in such a real way that you really want the deep to call upon the deep in them. And it's messy because you're different or they're from a different culture or a different context. Uh, I think that's messy or, or when you preach in a small parish and everyone knows everybody and life is hard and you're preaching about good news in a way that is real, that's, that is in the mess. Otherwise it just doesn't work. It just, it's not, it's not a, you know, it's not enough. Uh, so I think it's something messy. Emmanuel is God in the mess too, you oh, know, uh, God with us in our mess. And I think that's, uh, that's true. And when we recognize that it, it's the mess and the beauty are really tied together. Mm. And that's my experience of being a missionary, especially here. And in my own life. In my own life too, is that because God's in here with me and the mess, then the beauty is right there too. And Mm. Yeah, they're bound in some way. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks to both of you for coming on the show, for sharing your wisdom, your perspective, your your definitions of these theological churchy words that <laughs> sometimes we, we just use without like stop pausing to think, oh, what are we saying there? Yeah, so thank you so much for sharing uh, your all your knowledge and, and truth and love with Messy Jesus Business today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. invite you to join me in this contemplative moment. Joshua referenced a passage from scripture, Jesus's proclamation of his mission in Nazareth. I'd like to share that passage with you now. 
If you can, I invite you to close your eyes and breathe deeply as you listen and pray. Notice if certain words or phrases stick out for you. Is there a particular message that God wants you to hear today? A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. He came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, and went, according to his custom, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. That's it for this episode of Messy Jesus Business. Thanks for listening. Messy Jesus Business is produced and hosted by me, Sister Julia Walsh, and edited by Cherish Bedzinski. You can find us online at MessyJesusBusiness.com and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon. If you like what you heard, please be sure to mention our podcast to your friends and followers. And we'd love to have your support via Patreon. From the bottom of our hearts and the middle of the mess, thank you. Messy Jesus Business is produced in partnership with the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration. You can learn more about our religious community and donate to our mission at www.fspa.org. I'm Sister Julia Walsh, and I'll catch up with you next time. Until then, peace and all good.